0: Welcome to The Lex Factor, a lawfully good podcast where we'll brief you on the business of law so you can build a better practice and capture more billable hours.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Lex Factor. It's your host, Lauren here.
2: And your co-host, Brad. Oh, thank you.
1: Round of applause you know, when, for Brad. When you
2: said it this time, I was—I I wanted to almost do some kind of like Lex Factor. Leave, no.
1: leave that to, to Justin. The, to the audio, yeah. guys. They can you make stick it sound with better. your IT. We'll, okay. we'll let okay. Justin. But they, it was a great idea. I know. I just I love, wanted to hype it up. I love get the excited. enthusiasm. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, get excited about it.
1: Yeah. Um. You know what? I'm gonna switch things up. Brad, oh no. Do you want to introduce our guests today?
2: I never introduce. I know. De- no, do I it. can't do it. I can't take that privilege from you. Okay. You need to do it.
1: Fine. I don't say I never. Uh, you're offer. You're the host. Don't say I never offer. All right. <laughs> I'll do it next time. Perfect. I'll, I'll hold you to that.
2: Prep for it.
1: Okay practice um so today we're actually here with daniel siegel he is with the law offices of daniel siegel llc welcome dan or daniel dan dan Dan. perfect welcome dan
2: yes welcome i'm gonna clap for you dan
0: (laughs) there you go that way you can Um, feel welcome
1: yeah yeah Yeah. brad likes it so you know um why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself
0: thanks for having me uh I wear a couple of hats. I have a full time law practice. We are a two attorney, one paralegal uh, firm uh, with some niche areas besides for the public workers comp and those areas. Uh, Many of our clients are attorneys. We represent them in disciplinary and ethics matters, uh, those types of things. And I also have a second business that's a technology consulting firm focusing on workflow for law firms, uh, improving technology, uh, training, uh, doing those types of things. Uh, And I write and uh, speak a lot about all of these topics. And so I'm glad to be here.
1: Very exciting. Yeah, that is pretty awesome background. Um, What brought you to the legal industry? What made you want to be a lawyer?
0: Uh, When I decided I didn't want to... Be a baseball writer. (laughs) Um, Back in college, I dreamt I'd be the beat writer covering the Philadelphia Phillies and uh, decided that it maybe it wasn't as glamorous as it looked. Um, Plus, they lost a lot. um, So I decided to go to law school because um, of the writing ability. And we do a ton of writing. We have a large appellate practice here. Mm -hmm. It's probably... Over half of what we do in total, the writing work. And we do a lot of writing for other firms, but I love to write. I don't write like a lawyer. I write like a reporter. Um, and it's worked out well. Um, and I don't, and I, I can watch the Phillies lose now on TV <laughs> rather than oh. travel with them. Oh.
2: <laughs> so has that helped you in your training aspects of your role, your other? Uh- your other role in training other law firms to write more like a reporter? Is that something that you train
0: others to be? Well, we try, um, but a lot of it is, you know, teaching people to actually read what they write and realize that you should write in a manner that's sort of consistent with how we speak. No one wants to read legalese. They want to read a novel. Mm -hmm. And you read a novel because it's well-written and it's engaging. If you're going to use legalese, no one's going to read it. Um, And, you know, we know many judges, appellate judges, Pennsylvania Supreme Court justices who have said, you know, that they make their law clerks read everything we write because we don't write like lawyers and we don't we never max out the page limits or word limits because we're concise Mm -hmm. and we still get good results
2: fantastic.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. You know, and we we hear, we talk a lot about the business side of law and that's really what we try to help our clients and our our listeners with as well, because, you know, we, we say it all the time, you guys go to law school to be lawyers, but you obviously have this great skill that not everybody else has. You you have the, uh, the writing ability, you have the technical consulting side, and those are really important in this industry. And a lot of people don't necessarily have those skills. So um, I'm excited to dive into this episode and talk to you about that a little more. Um, so speaking of writing, we actually, we found you because you wrote a book, uh, a book for the ABA, I believe. So how to do more in less time, the complete guide to increasing your productivity and improving your bottom line. Um, and so before we dive into that a little bit, do you want to lo- tell us a little bit about the book and kind of what drove you to write that?
0: Uh, yeah, that book actually, um, and it was co uh, with another, uh, Attorney consultant Allison Shields, or Allison Shields Joe's now, um, came out of one of the programs that I uh, give called "How to Do Ninety Minutes of uh, Work or Ninety Minutes of Legal Work in Sixty Minutes." Oh. Uh, when I started on my own uh, with and left firm in Philadelphia, I had no clients, um, and you know I assumed they would come, and thankfully they have, <laughs> but. I couldn't afford to hire people and people would say, well, how do you get so much done? And it's because of using good, um, you know, time management, uh, techniques, it's using software and technology in efficient ways rather than in inefficient ways. And as a result, um, you know, I get a lot done, uh, much more quickly than many of my colleagues. And that's good because I'm, you know, I'm proud of the fact I get yeah. in real early, that's huge. but I'm home. I was home for dinner and, you know, pretty much every day for my kids when they were in school and stuff. So my kids knew me.
1: Yeah. That's fantastic. That's awesome.
2: Can you give some examples of the efficiencies or? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean that program, um, uh, evolved into the book, um, which we are actually just beginning to prepare the second edition of. And the breaking book, news,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, you
0: heard it first um, guys. right here on the Lex Factor. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. I mean, we're actually going to talk tomorrow about
1: awesome. the
0: tweaks to the first edition and then begin writing it. But it, can't, but it's, it's really, you know, using, uh what you have and learning to use it better, um, and that I I'm good because I take to software, but it's also managing time. It's setting aside the right time for the right things. It's recognizing what your what are your important goals, um, so that one of the, one of the things that I took from the book that came from Allison. Um, and I do every day now still is I have a to-do list of three things that I must do every day and accomplish Mm -hmm. before I leave the office. And I have that every day um, because it focuses me that, okay, I've got to get this item done or whatever. There's also a do not do list, things I'm not doing today. Um, And typically because of automation, I'll create a to-do in my practice management system and then create it for, let's say next Tuesday, when I know mm. that's a day I wanna focus on those items. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I bundle my time. Um, if I've got something really important, uh, I will schedule it as an appointment that from one to two, I will be working on X, Y, or Z, because if you don't schedule it, it doesn't happen, uh, because 12 things are gonna happen instead, <laughs> and you know, well, I'll do that later. But when it's an appointment, it's different. Um, It's so I try to sort of regiment my time while allowing for plenty of flexibility because, you know, we got two new matters that came in today and one has to be dealt with quickly. One can sit for probably um, two weeks. Yeah. You got to put them in there, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I think, you know, obviously time management, productivity, it's one of the biggest issues we have in the legal industry because the workload you guys have is crazy. Um, You know, and like Mm -hmm. you said, you have new matters coming in every day. Things change every day. And you know, all of our clients, it's one of the things that comes up consistently. There's just too much to do, too little time. How can I spend more of my time on my actual clients and not doing stuff like answering phones and scheduling meetings? Um, So I'm really excited to dig in a little deeper to. this. And, you know, I think we all know the majority of the firms in the U.S. are small, you know, and you guys have a small firm too. So you're doing a lot okay. of this yourself. So for you to have these practices in place, um, I think it's going to be a really good conversation knowing that a lot of the firms that we work with and just in our country are like you, you know, I think mm-hmm. you said earlier, you have three people um, and you guys are probably doing pretty much everything in house, I assume, you know, answering phones, you um, whatever, scheduling your consultations. But on the flip side, a lot of people too, they're either doing it in-house or they're working with like five, six, seven different other vendors to do it all for them. So either way, it's hard to manage your time and Mm -hmm. and keep, keep those billable hours increasing, you know? Yeah. Um, so one thing I wanted to dive into, you know, starting from the top, how do small firms, how do they really compete for top talent with larger firms, especially keeping in mind that you guys are trying to find this talent yourself or maybe you're working with somebody else? You know, how do you find that time to find good talent and then, of course, compete with those larger firms who may have more resources and more benefits?
0: Yeah. <laughs> finding the talent and finding the time to find them is the biggest challenge (laughs) because I hate hiring and I hate firing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's always been an issue. Um, But in a small firm, more than a large firm, the dynamics have to work. The people, you know, if you you don't like someone and you're one of three people in a building, it's not going to work. And we've seen that. And, you know, we recognize that you know we're not a fit for everyone, and but we are a great fit for some people. Um, the challenge is, and I, I knew this would be a challenge when I went on my own, which will be just since shortly. It'll be 16 years oh, wow. because I I made a conscious decision that yeah, I may not make as much money as I would in a, a larger firm or a you know different type of firm in the city but I work, I'm less than a mile from my house. I took my kids to school every day. Now that's great for me and how but how do you attract people? Mm-hmm. We've done it in two ways, if you look historically. One is I've hired a lot of very good young attorneys um, who've worked and trained and moved on in m- many cases, um, because either they found they wanted a different nature, whatever. Um, but also, um, and and my associate now is a great example. We we got involved in a major piece of complex litigation, and I knew I needed a seasoned attorney um, that uh, who could handle it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I cannot compete with large firms in the city for salary. I can pay a what I think is a good salary, but I can't compete with them for all of the salary and benefits. Yeah. Where I can compete though is to give people flexibility and time uh, and other types of things so that she works four days a week. Mm, and if she great. needs to, she'll be here extra time. But if she needs the other time for her kids, because she wants to be with her kids as they grow up, I'm totally flexible with that. We've always been able because of the technology to work remotely or in the office when the pandemic hit and we knew we couldn't come into the office we went okay we'll work from home yeah um but it wasn't like oh my god what do we do yeah so i can offer her flexibility we we have benefits some not everything um but because her spouse has benefits she can use some of those but she knows she's not going to be working weekends nights on vacation um that if, you know, it's the first day of school and you got to go to a teacher conference, I don't care. Yeah. Um, I also have a view that attorneys who work remotely or flexible can actually be better uh, working in this kind of environment because they're used to being able. So maybe you're going to do something at nine at night. I don't care when the work gets done as long as it gets done. Mm-hmm. And I don't, micromanage time or anything else. If the work's getting done and the work is 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 quality work, I don't care. And so as a result, I told her here's what I could offer you. Um it was acceptable because of the other parts of the flexibility yeah. uh that we gave for her and it's worked out great.
1: That's awesome. Yeah.
2: I just recently read, uh, Dan, I think you're on to something. I don't know if, uh, you know, you've been doing this for a while, but uh, I did just read that flexibility in hours, you know, that family home balance is becoming quickly the number one aspect in uh, individuals mm-hmm. looking for jobs. They actually want to reduce hours. Uh, so some even taking jobs where they're 25 hours a week or, oh, you wow. know, you know, and and that flexibility is so important. So I think that is a huge benefit for you know smaller law firms to offer that type of flexibility. I think it'll draw in some good
0: candidates. Oh, there's no question. And ABA uh, did a study called Practice Forward about what attorneys are looking for post pandemic, and that's what it. The flexibility. Uh, it's one of yeah. many findings in the yeah. report. They want that flexibility. And and I understand that um, because it makes sense. You know, you should have, you should deal with your family. You should deal with your personal issues and not feel like, oh, my God, um, my boss isn't there. I wrote a mm-hmm. column for Law Practice Magazine just on this topic.
1: Yeah. And I think it, it's pretty common in all industries these days. And I was thinking the same thing as Brad, when you were talking, um, people now, regardless, not even younger generations, people of all ages, they're looking for a job, a career employer that's going to give them those balances they want. You know, there's there's a lot that's happened in the past couple years where people are starting to realize like, hey, my purpose in life is not to go to work every day and there's plenty of employers especially large employers that are starting to make changes and because of how big these employers Mm -hmm. are, you know, almost everybody has to follow suit. And I mean, honestly, it's something that a lot of smaller employers have been doing for a long time as well. It's just that, you know, people graduate college, they want to go work for this big company and make these big salaries and they get there and they have no clue what they're getting into. And then the burnout hits, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? But then you get a little taste of what work could really be if you have that work-life balance and how much it is... How important it actually is to you know your life. So I think that's really cool. I had a question, Dan, when you were talking. I think a lot of us have had trouble hiring over the past year with the pandemic, just because people were getting so much from a benefit perspective by not working. And so now everybody, the whole world is short staffed. We all know that. But I'm curious, you know, offering the culture that that you currently offer, that you provide, have you guys seen a similar pattern or have you actually been okay trying to find new talent the past couple of years because you do have that work-life balance and other benefits that people have been looking for?
0: Well, we sort of were lucky because we didn't have any changes
1: That's nice. um,
0: other than we bring in law clerks in the summer or interns. Um, you know, everyone was happy. Uh, or Both of my, you know, my associate, my paralegal, office administrator, whatever you want to call her, were happy. So we didn't go through that. Um, but I saw it with other colleagues who it, it can be a challenge um, and it's also a challenge uh, the, the one downside to me of remote uh, dealings is it's harder to get a sense of a person over a Zoom or those mm-hmm, types of things mm-hmm. than in person. Um, it, I think it makes it more challenging to do depositions and things as well. Certain areas, it's, it's just great. Yeah, you know, you yeah. don't have to travel an hour each way to do a two-minute hearing where you basically say, uh-huh. I, I need a continuance. That's a waste of time. But we didn't hit it. And I think that's because we were flexible from the start. And, you know, I, nice. I couldn't tell you how many days off anyone in the office has taken.
1: Yeah. I know
0: we track it, but as long as the work gets done, I'm not looking.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's how it should be. Um, I would say obviously we're in the office today because we're doing the podcast, but we actually have a pretty full group here today. We're um, we're in a new building and we're on the marketing side of our building, and there's a good number of people here. And we came in and it was like a big reunion. It was fun <laughs> to talk to everybody, and it's nice. Like I love working from home. You know, if there's an important meeting, we'll come in or whatnot. But like you said, Dan, sometimes what's the point when you can do all the work at home? But then on the flip side, you come in and it's nice to see everybody's faces. It's nice to have that collaboration. Um, you can get things done a lot quicker, but it just, it depends on the needs. And, you know, we kind of have that option here too. And I think, I think it works, you yeah. know.
2: Dan, one of my notes that I have here uh, talks about innovative compensation. I'm I'm just curious about that. That really drew my attention. So what, what are you thinking? Is that more of the flexibility that you were talking about? Or what are your thoughts on that?
0: It's flexibility. It's when, you know, Krista is the uh, the best example. When I hired her, I, I could not pay her what she was making in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but at the same point, her commute went from whatever it was extra into the city, which is always more stressful. Yeah, eliminates wage tax and all of that. But we we tiered compensation based on hours worked. Um, so that she knew what she would always get. And then when we took over, this was a large, it wasn't a class action, but it was a large case involving 41 defendants and we represented 31 of them and we were the lead counsel. And it was a complex piece of litigation. At that point, she needed to work more and we were able to adjust compensation so that she was treated you know, completely fairly with that. And she knew she was. And, you know, we never had a discussion about any of that, you know. But we were, ne- were able to offer, you know, still a pension plan type mm-hmm. retirement plan that I contribute to. So we can do those types of things. Uh, we just, you know, and and the flexibility and the, the technology made a, a huge difference. She was at a firm that was not tech savvy everyone knows me which is me. very
1: common unfortunately
0: Yeah, but she knew me and knew by reputation that that we would be and we are very high tech uh so that we had the infrastructure to work here to work remotely mm-hmm. we have the software to to do whatever trial preparation um transcript whatever you needed to do we have that here um and it, those types of things matter. Yeah. Um, if you're fighting your computer, um, you're not happy. You know, oh, that's you definitely need a, stressful. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, you know, I, I have a longtime friend who's very non techy but he also doesn't update his office. And we had to go there and work with um, Adobe Acrobat Software, which my paralegal and I have written two books on. And, it would take a minute to open a PDF oh, because the computers were so old.
1: Oh man! And
0: I said, "You're never to him. You're never going to be able to attract people because the frustration level of that is is not worth it." And you know, we have a we're small, but we have a process of replacing obsolete computers so that no one is sitting there with the Neanderthal that doesn't move. <laughs> And that makes people happy. We yeah. have remote access. If you can't come to the office, uh, my paralegal had, had a, a matter at home yesterday. So she worked from home. The work got done. I didn't care. Yeah. You know, and I didn't track her time. I don't look at the logs. I, as long as, you know, as long as the work gets done, I trust them. Yeah, If I start looking at your time, it means we got a big problem.
1: Yeah, and that's how it should be. Um, But I love that, and I'd love – you had some really great examples. I'd love to dive into technology a little bit deeper, too, and kind of understand what technology you're using at your firm and actually how that has impacted things like your billable hours and your workload. I'd love to hear a little bit more firsthand about it.
0: Okay. Um, We – We have what I would say is as high-tech an office as any firm. Mm -hmm. But if you walked in here, you'd see an old house, and, yeah, you'd see a computer at a desk and everything. When we talk to clients, we're sitting at a conference table. There's no computers around. It's not like you're registering for, (laughs) you know, a hospital. You get Mm -hmm. your blood tests. Um, We don't do any of that. But we use practice management software to keep us going. I can't live without. It. Um, we have the infrastructure with appropriate, you know, Office 365 and all of that. Um, we use, you know, Acrobat a lot. It's, it's probably the most underused mm-hmm. product in law offices. And, uh, you know, that's why our book, which Pam and I wrote, Is so has been such a major seller for ABA for the first edition and now the second.
1: Feel free to plug the book; it's fine. The ultimate guide (laughs) to Adobe
0: Acrobat DC. He was right, right? Yeah. mm -hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But it's it's been extremely popular. It has you know it's over roughly 300 screenshots and it's how to do things that we all need to do. Yeah. And but I loved also- your example
1: about that guy that you've worked with, whose computers literally took a minute to open up. You know what I mean? Yes. I never yeah. would have thought about that, but I think it's a great example. Just update your computers, update your your hardware, you know?
0: He couldn't run the, the, the office, the versions of office that had the ribbon bar because his computers were too old and wouldn't, the the software, you know, the operating system. Wow. (laughs) yeah
1: That's
0: amazing. Um, And he and I go back a long way. We've known each other since college, even though we went to different colleges. So that's not good, but we also have, you know, software when we're in litigation to Mm -hmm. deal with transcripts, we have the processes in place for dealing with, uh, you know, discovery. We don't get into the zillion document cases because that's not what we do in a small firm. But the 41 defending case had a million pages of documents Mm -hmm. and our software could work it. Um, And we have a workflow for everything. So today, a lawyer just hired us to handle an appeal. Soon as we have that appeal in the system, we will have a chart of to-dos and deadlines so that we know when everything is due what we have to do and when, because when we work all of these appeals and things, everything is a deadline yeah. and you can't miss mm. a deadline. Um, but yet, uh, so, so whatever the technology we need, we have. Yeah, I
1: love that.
0: But also in my paralegal's office, in across from her desk is just a, a plain old, you know, white dry erase board. We write every deadline on that board so that when you walk by it, you can't miss it (laughs) and you still see it and you know, okay, on Tuesday, the Jones thing has to be done or to the client Uh or whatever. Uh And as much technology as we have, and we've got, you know, everything we need, that whiteboard is as valuable as anything we do. Love it. Um, Because, sometimes old solutions work. We just, you know, you erase it, you put the new stuff on there and it's it's great. Yeah. Right.
1: It's that nice reminder. It's in your face every day. Um, but I like the mix of everything you do. You have something that automatically is going to remind you every day when stuff is due. But something about, like you said, walking past and seeing that date in writing. I'm actually a very visual person. If you walk by my desk, I'll have like post-its with to-do lists mm-hmm. or every day I'll write out my to-do list and then like you cross it off right. and you feel like something has been, been accomplished. accomplished. Yeah. But it's amazing too because obviously we're all working on a million things, you get that nice little electronic automated reminder as right. well. Like you it. know,
2: you had mentioned uh, practice management software, and uh, I could tell by the way that you had said it, you're a strong fan. What advice do you give small law firms or large law firms that say, "Ah, eh, I just don't really need that?
0: I've used practice management software, a variety of different products since 1991. So wow. I'm as old an adopter <laughs> as just about anyone. I won't be without it. It is the single biggest productivity booster in my office. Um, and when we started, it was primitive, but it was a good system. It was a Unix-based system of all things. Wow. And no one even hears about Unix. Um, and it it allows me to... Automate and see everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So today, the three of us met because I'm going to be out of the office for a holiday this week. And... I looked at our calendars for every day through the end of September just by clicking very easily. Mm -hmm. Um, I am able to take, let's say, a document that someone routed me, for example, a blog post, and I convert that into a to-do. I can see anyone else's schedule because the the practice management software also has a good document management component. I can find any document I need quickly and easily. Um, And the automation of it all is easy. Right. Um, And a good practice management product will save an attorney or or a, a support person half an hour to an hour a day in time. And I can't even imagine what it would be like without it. When I come in in the morning, I can see if there was a phone message, what new things came in, what are my deadlines, all in one place, easy to see, and can navigate from there. Um, and it also helps us with our document creation and all of that. That's why you use it. It's It makes you more efficient um, in one location. You're not going to, even though it synchronizes with my calendar and with Outlook, I don't have to go look at Outlook to see the calendar mm-hmm. or find my contacts on my phone. It's all in one place. And it—it's everything I need to to do what I need to do, um, except some of the litigation tools, which you know work a little bit outside of it, but they. Yeah. But- but like I said, I've used it since 91, so it's 30 years now.
1: That's amazing. Wow. You've probably seen some uh, changes in it, I can only imagine. <laughs> um, and I think you actually read my mind. I was going to ask you, and you may not be able to answer this, but from a, a bottom line perspective, all the technology that you guys use internally, how do you feel that has affected your bottom line? Like Not necessarily even putting into numbers, but the whole purpose of this episode was really digging into ways that you can increase productivity. So whether you know you mentioned 30 minutes a day, by utilizing practice management software. You know, looking at everything as a whole, how much time do you think that's saving you that you can then spend on things that are actually billable? Or, you know, like you said, go home to your family, have dinner with
0: them. It saves a ton of time. And as a practical matter, I couldn't have gone out on my own and been a pure solo Mm. if I couldn't use the technology because there's no way I could have done everything I did by myself. Uh, and practice management software allowed me to do that, um, but you know it is. You're say if if a, if your product isn't saving you half an hour to an hour a day, then you need to customize it more, train more, whatever. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, we developed over the last four or five years a, a niche practice of representing medical providers in proceedings when they treat injured workers. Mm-hmm. And this is a niche area. There are only a handful of lawyers who do it in Pennsylvania, and it's wholly specific to Pennsylvania workers' comp. Well, there's a lot of bills involved, and there's a lot of sort of annoying procedural things. We took our practice management software, and we created custom screen for those cases. And Krista handles them. I don't get involved probably 98% of the time. But if someone calls me about it, I can look at that custom screen and because she fills in the data, I can tell you how much is at issue in every case, who the people are involved, what the procedural histories are, and what the legal issues are instantly. And I know nothing about that file. And it, it give me a minute to look at that screen and the information there and I know everything. Well, if I have to go get a file and try to figure that out, it's never happening. Mm-hmm. Or if it is, it's going to take me a long, long time. And it's not time you can bill. Mm-hmm. It's not productive time. And then you don't get the other work done. And I've had to do that a handful of times. Or we start talking about something, and she's in my office. I can go to that screen and get the answer without saying, "Well, how much is this? Yeah. Or what's involved?" Yeah. So. That's what the software does. And that's how it makes, you know, me and everyone who works with me better at their jobs. And we're, we're doing the higher level things, not, you know, rummaging through paper. Yeah. And we are paperless, of yeah, course. That's awesome.
2: Dan, you know, you had talked about that other area of your business in training technology and and you know, getting mm-hmm. people up to speed. What do you think is the most important area of training for a firm around technology? Go into a little bit of detail into
0: that if you will. Sure. It's it's learning first learning the basics. Um and that means literally making sure people know the basics. They don't have to know. I can't tell you how my computer does what it does, <laughs> but I can tell you what the software does uh-huh. and I know how to make it hum and do things that, you know, it's that you wouldn't even think it can do. And I've <laughs> done that with some products. Um, but that's what people, you know, I the best example is whenever you hear someone say, oh, I saved the document in Word. That tells you (laughs) right then that that person has a technology problem Mm -hmm. and needs training because you save files on a computer, you use Word or whatever program to access them. And that's like the basics of how a computer is set up. And if they don't understand that, they need to at least be taught that and then be brought up to a base level of competence about computers. Part of why my program that I've lectured on, it's the most popular program I do, the How to Do 90 Minutes of Work in 60 is so popular, is because I basically take my laptop or whatever I'm doing the program with and I make the the desktop a mess and everything else. And then I show how with a little bit of training, you turn that into your base productivity piece. Um, and so that it's set up right. You view directories properly. You have the right hardware. You can't use a 15 inch monitor to look at stuff. Uh, <laughs> We have nothing less than 27 inch in our office. And I'm here right now at a 32 inch monitor and I can see everything clearly and I can have, you know, multiple items on the screen, you know. Um, So the how to do 90 and 60 is a ton of fun computer tips. The people go, I didn't know my computer could do that. Um, And corporations, I discovered I met a person uh, on a vacation in San Diego. Who did the same program all around the country for Procter and Gamble? That was what mm-hmm. he did. Um, people don't know how to use Microsoft Word, or which is typically their, you know, their word processing product. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to get rid of those defaults. They. They need to be taught those basics, and then they become better computer users because everyone has that base level of competence. Mm -hmm. But law firms don't want to train people on that. We do a ton of training on Acrobat because we've written the books. Well, that's nice, but most people only know it as, oh, it's the thing that makes my PDFs. Maybe they know it can OCR (laughs) and make it better, Mm -hmm. but they have no idea why if we do a if it takes us 6 to 8 hours to go through all of the basics that a law firm needs and we still haven't covered everything and it's that powerful a product mm-hmm. and it can also do some things that help you be uh, set, transmit documents or files securely and confidentially and meet your ethical obligations uh, things that the lawyers aren't even thinking about. Yeah. So we bring all of that together in training. Um, and so we cover how to use it, you know, the ethics involved. Uh, I, I chair the Pennsylvania Bars Ethics Committee, so I care about those things. And you find out that, oh, I didn't know Word could do that or mm-hmm. I can do all these different things or how to make Microsoft Outlook efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, I just wrote an article, it was just published last week for the Pennsylvania Bars magazine, on I didn't know my computer could do that, and it's all about the different steps uh, and techniques that make your computer better that you didn't know happened. All the people during the pandemic went out and bought Zoom. If you had Office 365, you already had Teams. Teams. It already did that. (laughs) And You know, one of the tips that my son who does IT, you know, told me if you're in Outlook and you hit Control One, Control in the number one, you're automatically in your email. Control and two puts you into your calendar. Control three puts you into your contacts. Control four puts you into your to dos. Well, that's a lot faster than clicking around. Yeah. And even though that doesn't seem like a lot, if that time. saves you There's
1: so many 10 seconds cuts. a
0: day, yeah. uh, 10 seconds, and you do it six times a day, that's five minutes a week. And over a year, you've just spent 250 minutes oh, wow. or six hours or whatever, uh, you know, um, a zillion day, whatever, saving time. Yeah. And that's what we try to teach people. When you learn how to use these products, suddenly you're saving 10 seconds here, 30 seconds here. Practice management software that we talked about earlier. When you don't have to get up to get your file, going to get a file takes two or three minutes at a minimum, plus finding what you need. Well, if you do that five times a day and you're Mm -hmm. saving 10 minutes a day, and that's very conservative, that's almost an hour a week. Well, that's almost 60 hours a week, a year I mean, just not getting up to get files and everything is digitized Uh, and it's in front of you. And if you have a large monitor, you can see it there. Yeah. If you want to print something you need fine, but most of the time it's great on your screen. So you've built those savings into Mm -hmm. your life and that's how I get things done. That's how my people work with me do. And that's more productive than going out and getting a file.
1: Yeah. I love that you can actually attribute time to that too because I think we talk a lot about adopting efficiencies, you know, something like start using practice management software, start doing this, start doing that, you know, hire somebody to answer your phones for you. But even breaking down Just simple, common tasks like that, you don't realize how much they can affect your your revenue at the end of the year, your billable hours, or again, Mm -hmm. the time that you can go home to your family. Just the fact of getting up, walking to get a paper file, what that can add up to at the end of the year. I love that you broke it down that way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about security. Oh, it's one of Brad my favorite topics.
1: Can I ask him a question first? Okay. I'm go sorry. Ahead. Just because I don't want to switch topics. Sure. So I, I assume, Dan, you probably work from a consulting perspective, work with people of completely different capabilities. Some that have, you know, maybe nothing, no knowledge around technology to people that are pretty, pretty up to speed. How do you How do you work with such different groups of people? Is there is there a common ground, or do you have certain tips that you provide to people that are so much further behind from a technology standpoint, or do you approach them pretty equally?
0: Well, I think if you know it's it can be a challenge, but the first thing is everyone needs to have a baseline level of competency, Uh, and you've got to get those who don't to some baseline where they can sort of coexist in the, in the training room even with those who are way more savvy. Because if I have to teach someone, you know, just sort of how to navigate and set up their computer and the other person knows, that person's going to tune out. Mm-hmm. So we sort of have to do it in in like groups by skill at first. And then, you, you know, you need that baseline competency. And there have been lawyers and law professors who've talked about this over the years, Um, and it's important, um, you know, when my kids graduated high school, they were required to be competent in Microsoft Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. That's great. You know how many classes they had in Word, Excel, and PowerPoint? Correct. Zero. Holding up the big zero. (laughs) He
1: saw my zero for those. This is audio only, so. (laughs) But
0: that's because their school didn't require them to take a class. Well, how do you learn that? Uh, sitting next to a computer, you're not going to get it by osmosis. You need to be taught. And if if you're like me, I pick up things easily. Um, if you're like, you know, another close relative of mine, <laughs> she has a lot of trouble picking those things up and is like, you have to show me step by step. Well, that's the difference and, and and she has learned and become a competent computer user. She's never going to be the trainer, but that's fine. She can do what she needs to. Mm-hmm. But ha- But also, it's part of understanding, you know, the file is on your computer. It's not in a, pro- a, a program. Mm-hmm. And, and we also, if you're not going to use practice management or document management, we help people organize those things and then how to name the files, which... In, yeah, in our office, if you came in here and looked at our practice management, and our documents, you would see that every document is named in a completely consistent manner. And there are no deviations from that. And that's standardizing because yeah. that's what businesses have to do.
1: Yeah. Naming conventions, standardization, work processes, workflows, all that that you mentioned earlier. So important. Make a huge difference. Um, I'm sorry, Brad. Security. This is all Brad's he loves it's, security. It's the
2: most important topic it today. Is, it is okay? mm-hmm. the Trump's most secure. important topic. And okay. you, you know, you're you're replacing that with productivity gain. I'm no, no I'm, I'm sorry, both both no, I'm just joking. Both important. Both important. So <laughs> uh basics for cybersecurity. So you uh you obviously understand the risks there with technology, understand that you have to have some level of understanding of uh cybersecurity in order to protect yourself, what What do you struggle with in training other law firms around this
0: topic? Um, first, getting them to recognize that it can happen to anyone. And that means even, you know, people at home who aren't lawyers or anyone else. Um, and we look at it from we do something, or we have we classify part of our practice in both businesses as technoethics, because there's an intersection for lawyers of technology and ethics. Um, but the first is the recognition that everyone has to address technology and security issues. Uh, that simply emailing important confidential information shouldn't be done. That you need, you know to create the proper security structure whether it's a small office or you know a giant firm where you have an IT department um, because everyone is at risk and it's always the you know the weakest link the FBI and um, CISA, the computer information CISA group mm-hmm. just put out a uh, a warning Before the Labor Day holiday this year, um, that, you know, most of the hacks and dangers occur on weekends and holidays because people aren't paying attention. Uh, and that's a problem. And the reality is that for lawyers, you have an obligation to maintain the confidentiality of documents and client information and sensitive information which means your systems have to be protected uh when you transmit things you have to do it in a secure way and that means getting baselines of whether it's training knowledge etc that doesn't always happen Um, one of the things that i recommend to people and they when they first hear it they think i'm crazy um, is to go to the NSA, the National Security Agency's website, NSA.gov. And they have free worksheets or download guides on almost every area of cybersecurity written for people who aren't geeks. <laughs> so
1: geek how guy. to
0: secure your mobile device. Oh, it explains nice. why... Location services and GPS are two totally different things. Um, the secure, basic security, um, video conferencing, um, you name it, NSA has it, uh, how to set up your wireless network, uh, all of those things in, in very easy to understand, you know, one or two page PDF fact sheets that they put out. And suddenly... You can get a baseline of competence no matter who you are. Uh, people don't think those agencies typically, you know, would, would be providing stuff for, you know, the, that the average person would mm-hmm. understand. But the NSA materials are, are great. I've done programs basically just, you know, conveying what's in the NSA materials. Uh, but lawyers need that because, yeah, we didn't go to law school to deal with cybersecurity. <laughs> but guess what?
1: Your doctor may
0: not have known what an MRI was when he or she graduated med school. Things change. You have to use and deal with the benefits and the risks. And then law firms have to implement with training and security measures. And some of that's easy, but some of it isn't, Um, you know, Right now, the biggest risk for law firms are phishing emails and what are called spear phishing emails, P-H-I-S-H for those listening, <laughs> where you get the links in an email that you think are valid. You click on that link or try to open the document and you've just infected your computer, uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. Most of the risks often or dangers or problems come from within.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, you have a disgruntled employee. But then on the other hand... If someone's clicked on a bad email, and now there's ransomware in your system, what do you do? And do you have cyber insurance to to help you get out of that mess? Uh, because without it, it can be you know yeah. it could, it could it, some firms could go out of, could be forced out of business.
1: Yes, yeah, they could hold your data hostage mm-hmm. and want a million dollars from you. I had no idea cybersecurity existed until Brad, it came up in a conversation a couple months ago. And I was like, wow, everybody needs that now. Like yeah. literally everybody, not just law firms. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> it's scary what they can do. It is. Brad, anything else? Cybersecurity. This is no, your world. I, I this know. Is what gets
2: I know. <laughs> I think, you know, I think, uh, Dan, you got it. I think uh, it is something that's important for everybody to learn. And uh, just understanding those basics are so important. So
0: I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. But let me also throw this out Uh since your targets are lawyers. uh, That's an ethical obligation Mm. so that while, you know, or lawyers should know that obviously if you have client funds in an IOLTA, your trust account, you have to deal with them. You have that same obligation to protect sensitive or confidential information. And, You can't prevent everything. We've seen the hackings that have come from the Chinese government, the Russian, and all of that. Uh, But law firms maintain client data like social security numbers Mm -hmm. and dates of birth that are really valuable. And email is the least secure form of communication. And people don't realize your email just sort of bounces from one server, computer, to another, and people could intercept your attachments. Mm-hmm. Well, you can use Adobe Acrobat and secure those documents and make them, vir- you know, virtually impossible um, for anyone to access them. And your obligations are to take reasonable precautions. So you could do that. You know, when we're dealing with medical records and client data, we use online share filing services. Why? So we don't have to transmit any attachments. And I write a column for the ABA Law Practice ma- uh, magazine called Hot Buttons. And the woman who also writes We Alternate Columns uh, wrote her last column about w- she wishes we could eliminate email attachments. She's right. Um, and it's a really good piece. Her name is Katherine Sanders Reach. Um, and she's a practice management advisor for North Carolina. And Catherine is right. You know,
1: yeah. And I you think you want to
0: eliminate that stuff. And lawyers don't think about that. But if you start learning that lawyers are going to lose their licenses uh, for that. And I-, I know in Pennsylvania, where I am, disciplinary authorities are concerned and address those issues. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I think you brought up a great point that it is. It's an ethical, Mm -hmm. it's an ethical situation here. And it's, it's a new world of ethics. You know what I mean? But it's ever evolving Mm -hmm. what you have to keep an eye on what you're responsible for as a firm and cybersecurity is is a huge part of that these days. It's a great point. All right, Dan, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up today's episode?
0: We've covered a lot. of. I think we got a lot of good stuff. stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And
1: I love I think you just gave great examples. You really broke it down so that everything was understandable and relatable. You know, like I said earlier, I love that you broke it down and you were able to attribute the things that you do every day and how much time that can actually Mm -hmm. save you. I think that's that's good stuff right there.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate it. Glad to be here and thank you for inviting me. Yes, it was
1: a blast. Thank you so much. And everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Lex Factor. And we'll talk to you next time.
2: Until next time, everybody.
0: Thanks for tuning in to The Lex Factor. Lexicon takes care of business so you can take care of law. Learn how to build a better practice at lexiconservices.com.